Hello, it's the Verbally Effective Podcast. Um, Aina Esco, double A. Um, thank you. This is Code Dwight. Tune in. Hey, you guys are hanging out with Justin Dotson, your favorite mental health expert, hanging out with Ina Esco with the Verbally Effective Podcast. Always remember to take care of yourselves, get good rest, exercise, and just be happy and healthy because you get to live this life for you and get some rest, people. Verbally Effective, your double E, Ina Esco, hanging out with you. And it's episode 67. In the building, I have with me social media strategists, and I know a lot of people out here listening to the sound of my voice know my good friend, Kirsten Cheers. Hey, Kirsten. What's going on, girl? What's up, lady? How you doing? Child, I'm making it, child. Can't complain. You're making it. Can't complain. I mean, we are already in May, and time is flying by. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember when I first met you. Do you remember? Ina, now don't get me on here lying, baby. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. You're going to have to remind me, honey. Okay, I'm going to remind my you. My mind bad. What the, what the old folks say, my mind bad. Okay, well, I'm going to remind you. Um, it was a politically kind of charged event. Um, it was years ago. I want to say maybe about five years ago. Okay. Uh, the men of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity was having a panel, and it was all an all-female panel. Oh! And I facilitated. Carlissa, Tammy, Shout out to Carlissa. you. Shout it was out to one Tammy. more lady. Child, I can't remember the the other lady, but you <laughs> all were awesome on the panel. You were on the panel too. No, you I was. I was facilitating. Okay, so I think. Oh, you were the you were the I, moderator. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 And so uh, you you ladies hit a lot of uh, subjects pertaining to oh women's God, rights, misogyny. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it was very informative. I was just sitting there listening, and I was like, "Oh, they so smart, and they on top of their shit." Oh, girl. Yes, I was loving it. And then I would see you here and there going forward throughout the year. Mm-mm. And so now you're here. I'm here. You are here. I'm here. We we live. We live and direct. Now, <laughs> we're we going to get it started with a little bit of your background, okay. Kirsten. So I know you're from Memphis, but what part of Memphis are you from? I am from S-O-U-T-H and Parkway. Ah, okay, guys. No, I'm from, I'm from South Memphis, man. Uh, Glenview. So the the intersection of South Memphis and, and Midtown. But I live in the hood. Don't don't let people tell you, oh, Glenview, the bougie part of that. No, man, we the hood. I've seen AK-47s really? down my street. I'm trying to figure out what is the proximity to Glenview from Lemoyne. Because, you know, I'm Oh, right there on Macklemore. So Glenview okay. is right there on Macklemore. Well, I was your neighbor uh-huh. at one point. Well, when hey, I lived on okay. Hey, child, <laughs> come up and get some sugar, okay? Look, look I thought I was from Listen, South Memphis for them four You was, baby, Lemoyne, baby. Everybody that went to Lemoyne, you might as well have a yes. South Memphis card. Yeah, yeah baby. How was it growing up in South Memphis? It was, I, you know, when I was running for office, I always described it as living in a village. Um, the women across the street. If you come now. There are vacant lots everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two lots across the street from me used to be houses, and both of the women, older women, who lived in those houses used to babysit me. Okay. So I would walk home from Rosell Elementary, and, of course, I had to pass the gang members and, uh, you know. But everybody was cool. Everybody was cool. They had, yeah. You know, that was the thing back then. It was like the village, no matter what role you play, you had respect mm-hmm. for the people who lived there. Yeah, we heard gunshots every now and then. Yes, I did see... Um, once upon a time, somebody running down the street with an AK, um, but it wasn't, they weren't pointed towards me in my house. Right. They had, you know, they own Target, but, 
you know, we 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 thank God anyway. It is what but it is. deliverance, they not there no more, which mm-hmm. which, you know, we that's another conversation about displacement and gentrification. But anyway, so yeah, I, I grew up in a village. Um, everybody trusted everybody. And um, you know, I was raised by my mom and my aunt. I wrote a piece not too long ago, I think last year, um, talking about being raised and the definition of being raised in a same sex household. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom and my aunt were sisters, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, people talk about family dynamics. I was raised in a two-parent household. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother, both my grandmother and grandfather died before I was born. My grandfather died before I was born. My grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's when I was born. But she named me, and she only held me once. Mm-hmm. And then she was uh, quickly diagnosed. So she passed away when I was, like, seven. And uh, my aunt and my mom moved in together to take care of her. Um, after after uh, she was diagnosed, so um, I I don't think I have a big family. My mom is the youngest of eleven, um, six girls, five boys. Three of the three of the boys are pastors. Mm-hmm. So I come from a very religious background. Grew up in a church in South Memphis. I was born on a Sunday. So my mom would tell you, you know, she was born saved. (laughs) I'm like, yes, I was born filled with the Holy Ghost, okay? But, uh, yeah, I think I grew up in a very loving background. Um, Went to Mount Pisgah in Orange Mound Mm -hmm. on Park Avenue for pre-K, Rizal Elementary for uh, elementary school, Bellevue Middle. It was junior high then. And then I went to uh, graduate from Central High School. Central. See house. Okay, you know. Central High School. So yes. when you were at Central, mm-hmm. what type of activities were you involved in in mm-hmm. high school? Actually, I I I, I was I was wilding. Wilding. <laughs> I say all the time, college saved my life. Okay. Um, even though I, I I come from a very steady and and formidable foundation and family. I uh, and I always had a lot of gifts. Honor roll student. I was in honors classes, AP classes, but I couldn't really find my space in high school. Mm-hmm. I was I was well known. I won't say that I was popular, but um, I really kicked it with a lot of folks who really didn't go to my school. And so, mm-hmm. um, I just I, I I didn't struggle. I was just kind of like I'm cool with being you know Kirsten and everybody knowing that that's Kirsten, but also like I ain't really just out here kicking it with people. So. Um, played volleyball in junior high school, but I didn't play volleyball in, in high school. Uh, and, and I was the chubby girl, right? So it wasn't too many sports that were looking for the chubby girl to play. Um, you know, volleyball, they had them Days of Dukes. And yeah, they weren't trying to see yeah. my thick self in Days of Dukes back then in, C, in the sea house. But, <laughs> you know, they was discriminating. Shout out to Lizzo, who out here putting big girls on the Ooh, map. Oh, I love Lizzo. <laughs> I love Lizzo. But, but no, you were so, still yeah. playing that volleyball. I, I, hey, you, you can catch me on the sandlot anytime. Ooh. I love volleyball. I do too. I love we volleyball. We need to do like side our own league. Don't they have one down do there? They? At the <laughs> Look, I'm trying to find it. They got they, they got some down there at Tom Lee. Okay, well you need to give me that a information after the pod or we whatever. Yeah, we can kick it and go bump set spike yeah. a little bit. <laughs> okay, so I know uh, after uh, Central, uh-huh. went to Memphis. Went to Memphis State. It was Look. Memphis State then. No, it no. wasn't no Memphis State then. <laughs> But you know, you can't walk by nobody Y'all that's, that's from Memphis. Memphis State. That's like, hey, you went down there to Memphis State. All my uncles nowadays, then she got that degree from Memphis State. No, <laughs> man, that just say University of Memphis. <laughs> no, you over there in Memphis State. But no, I went to the University of Memphis. And like I said, college saved my life. Uh, pledged. 
Mm-hmm. You, you ain't put that in there. You pledge. What, what you pledge? What you, what you think I pledge? You got my you colors on. You DST. You got, come on. Ooh, that DST. Come on. I know all about you. Child, you didn't want to say that. You didn't want to put that in the bio. <laughs> See, we got it out on the pod, though. It's on the pod. Delta the people Sigma know. Theta. Don't ask me for no dues. No, nah, no. Nah. Don't ask me. Nothing. I ain't Look, ready yet. Don't ask me either. <laughs> Look, they better not ask me either. What year did you pledge? 2011. How many line sisters did you have? So it's 30 of us. 30. Yep. What was your uh, line name? I'm 16. I'm the 16, and my line name is Center of Attention. Are you ladies still close? Mm-hmm. We actually are kicking it this weekend. Um, okay. It is our uh, eighth birthday. Okay. So we kicking it this weekend. We doing brunch. We doing awesome. the Memphis and May. Well, they gonna do the Memphis and May, but I ain't finna carry on with them out there yes, with all are. them people. Uh uh-uh, uh, I'm about we to go find see. me somewhere and sit down. <laughs> we gonna I'm gonna sit down, baby. I can't do that with them. <laughs> okay. So when you were at University of Memphis, um, is that kind of like around the time you said it saved your life? Why do you keep saying it saved your life? Because I really didn't have. I didn't have much discipline in high school. You know, I was a smart kid. My mom was working. My my aunt was working. So I was at home a lot by myself. I wasn't out here like, you know, sneaking folk in and out the house. But Mm -hmm. I didn't have much discipline. And I didn't really have perspective on what I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I wanted to write. I knew I kind of wanted to tap into journalism. But I didn't know all that came with that. Being a smart kid, um, people kind of already, I I don't want to use the term wrote me off as oh she's gonna be okay but I really I just I didn't the everybody knew I was gonna be okay everybody knew I was gonna be smart they knew I was gonna be able to find my way so I kind of went around and did what I wanted to do and so uh, you know we even when I started working I was working at Best Buy I decided to quit and nobody said a thing they were like okay she want to quit she don't you know she gonna find something else to do I did and I did and I found something else to do um I got involved um and actually, what 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 set me on a trajectory towards U of M is when I joined a new church. Okay. So the church that I'm a member of now, I joined that church when I was 17. Wow. Yep. So and I I found the church. It was literally New Olivet, mm-hmm. um, Pastor Whalem. It was literally five minutes from my house, and I'd never seen this church before. But I had a teacher in middle school who went to the church, and she loved her church, and she talked about it all the time. Um, shout out to Miss Brown, who's now Miss Myers. And so um, I just remember, I, again, I grew up in church. I, you know, I kind of knew Jesus. I was going to Sunday school, involved in the choir, leading songs. I wasn't an usher. I got my whole family's in church. <laughs> but I just remember sitting in church and like being like, I, I have no idea what this thing is. I just go to church. Right. 3 p.m. services and revivals and all yeah. that. And it's a lot of people like that. And so gone. 17, I asked my mom if I could join a new church. And she was like, you can go shop around. And so I had a car. My mom got me a car and I drove down the street one day, drove down Southern. And that's when I saw New Olivet Baptist Church. And so I was like, oh, that's the church Miss Brown go to. So I visited there three times. Mm-hmm. And on the third time I joined. Mm. what was it about it that made you join it was so full of life it was so full of young people that's that's something that uh, my family church didn't have Mm -hmm. um all the young folks had left they went to college or you know they you know got pregnant they got involved in gang life um so I I saw uh I just saw life 
I saw people doing life together and I saw an, an intelligent pastor. Everybody knows my pastor. He he is who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about more than just Bible. He talked about how the Bible relates to times today and he um, made it work. He made it fit. And so he made it make sense. And I, I, I say now that that was my first introduction to Jesus. I met Jesus in that church. So. And so that's really where you think the discipline started to come mm-hmm. into play. So we so, you know, we go to church and, you know, my friends laugh about it, but we go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I am at church almost every day. Mm. Um, not every day. He gonna hear this and be like, Yo, but I ain't at no church no every <laughs> day. Chill out. <laughs> but I be at, I'm at church more than the than the average millennial, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he talked a lot about being committed and being faithful. Not just indeed, but in saying, you know, doing what you say you was going to do. So that discipline came about. And so when I decided to, you know, I knew I had to go to college. I was accepted to Hampton. I always wanted to go to Hampton. But walking into this new understanding of who Christ was and, you know, hearing God speak to me and all this type of stuff, I really felt pulled to stay at home mm-hmm. and to continue to develop myself, continue to learn more about where I was from. Um, and so going to the University of Memphis, I was afforded an, an opportunity to intern on Capitol Hill in Nashville and Washington, D.C. So I interned with the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation in D.C. And that was an experience. I still value that experience. And so that was my first touch to politics. Wow. So, yeah. Is that is that when you realize, hey, I want to make a difference in Memphis? Yep. Yep. I love D.C. so much that I said. Memphis can be this. Mm-hmm. Memphis can be just like this. Memphis can have this much life. Memphis can have this much opportunity. The cities are similar in size. Mm-hmm. Um, black people walking around affluent, living their best lives. And and also there was an area where there was an impoverished area, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, literally the ghetto was behind the White House. Literally. And so, but being there in that time, like, Obama, I met Michelle Obama. You did? Yep, I met Michelle Obama. So, I mean, it was, it was, I I remember being like, I want this. I want this for my Mm -hmm. city. And I can't leave this city Mm -hmm. for too long and not, there's no way that I can make a difference from away, from a distance. I have to be proximate. I got to be there. Mm -hmm. So, Decided to come back home. I, I kicked and screamed, but because I was like, I'm going to Howard. My mom was like, bring your ass back home. Yeah. You got one more year. Knock it out. So I decided to come on back, graduated. Um, and then next year I ran for office. So how was that experience? Who child. <laughs> <laughs> I ran for office with, um, we, didn't, we, we didn't intentionally run for office together. I won't say it like that, but Victoria Young, Rachel, mm-hmm. Rachel Knox. I had no blueprint. I had nobody to look to besides my pastor, right? He's he's ran for office multiple times. Mm-hmm. But as far as like right like in my family and my circle, I I didn't have anybody. You know, my mom was like when I told my mom, she was like, I don't know what to tell you. Just tell me what to do. My aunt, she was still alive. <laughs> she was like, you you know, can 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 you can say my, <laughs> my aunt said, but if them niggas hurt you, <laughs> we calling your cousins. You know, you got a cousin that's on his third strike. She was like, we'll call him. He'll go back. I don't want nobody messing with you. So, but it was, you know what? I tell people, um, I, I, uh, it was fun. It was hard work. But I, it, if I do it again, I would definitely be better at it. Um, we we did it with minimal support. I was running up against people who had big name recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to the person who's holding the seat now. She's doing a pretty decent job. 
Um, but she, you know, has the name recognition. A mm-hmm. um, couple other people. But, I mean, the youngest one in the race, and I came out with 1,020 votes. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the paper said the next day, um, Kyle Veazey, he was like, everybody needs to keep their eye on Kirsten Cheers mm-hmm. because you're going to see her again in yeah. some capacity. And we've been seeing you. Child, been out here. I'm trying to go party. sit my tail down. <laughs> I'm sick of it. Let me ask you this. When you were running for city council, mm-hmm. um, what type of, I know you said it was a good experience, but this is Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> so, and I know when it comes to politics, things mm-hmm. can get a little ugly mm-hmm. in the M. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not like we have a really pretty picture on politics mm-hmm. here in the city. A lot of mm-hmm. things are kind of similar to how they were back in the day yeah. on a lot of different things. But I am happy that we do have a lot of new people in office right. that are attempting to make change. So, when you were running for city council, I mean, did you run into any challenges along the way? Um, the age thing was a huge thing. And and did they try to make that a big factor? That, you know what? Politics in Memphis, when I ran, um, there wasn't much emphasis on the city council races uh, as there is now. Okay. Because, and I, I give credit to that, to millennials, right? Mm-hmm. Because... We're an educated generation. We're coming in like, I want to know who I'm voting for, why I'm voting for you, where you come from, what you're going to do. Back in the day, and just keeping it 100, you know, you voted for somebody because they went to high school with you. Mm-hmm. Or you knew their name. Or you name. knew their name. Or they buried your auntie, right? You right. know, so they got the history. They they got their names <laughs> on. They some morticians. And yeah. they, they drive limousines. And they, they preach at somebody's church. And so you, you voted based off. So when people say, you know, name recognition, name recognition. And there's nothing wrong. You, you That's branding. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in the day... <laughs> You know, folks talk about millennials don't vote. Well, older people voted based off of how proximate you were to their community. Mm-hmm. Um, whose grandson are you? What high school did you go to? Oh, you went to Hamilton? Cool, got you. Mm-hmm. You went to Orange Mound? I mean, you went to Melrose? I'm going to see if I can get the mound for you. One of my opponents, she ain't even canvas. I think I was the only one in, in my race who really knocked on doors. One of my opponents, she not only did she not canvas, she just drove around the hood with a pickup truck with her name on the side of the pickup truck blasting some music. What? That's that on that. That That's was her that strategy. That. that was her strategy. <laughs> and so, wow. you know, it 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 was hard getting um getting people like acclimated to this new wave of leadership and getting them to trust that, you know, yes, I'm 24 years old, but I'm I'm well educated, I'm well competent. Um I um I know what I'm talking about. I got the desire. And so you know, I have folks who were like, yeah, we need new blood. We need fresh meat. And then I have people that were like, you know, wait your turn, wait your time. And honestly, and I tell people now, like, the the climate that we live in right now, it's free game. It ain't is. no waiting your wow. time, waiting your okay. turn. I ain't endorsing nobody, mm-hmm. but ain't no waiting your turn, waiting your time. It's free game. You can go out here and do, get whatever you want to get, do whatever you want to do. Nobody has to give you permission. Don't nobody have to endorse you. Hello. All you got to do is hustle for it. That is how true. You just got to hustle for it, for it and work yeah. for it. You got to convince people. You got to sway people. Yeah. You know, you got to know what you're talking about. But nobody, you know, you ain't got to you ain't got to kiss nobody's ring no more. You go out here and get it. That, And I encourage anybody who ever wants to run for office, especially in Memphis, mm-hmm. 
you don't need to have all of it right now. You don't need to have all the strategy right now. You don't need to have all the money right now. Just say yes. Mm-hmm. And then watch the people who flock to you and say, you yes. know, I believe in you. I, you know, I see what you're doing. I see how you're moving. Go for it. Same thing with starting a business. Mm-hmm. I did it. And, and I'm doing it. I'm scared as hell. But mm-hmm. I was like, there's no better time because it's free game. You go on YouTube and learn mm-hmm. how to run a campaign. You can I- go on YouTube and learn how to do analytics for social media. So, I mean. Look, when you say free game, that (laughs) resonates with me because all it takes is you starting. Yeah, it just takes your yes. You know, I think fear stops a lot of us from taking a step. Yeah. But, um, you know, 2020 is around the corner. Yeah. You know, your boy Trump is still acting an ass around here. Them y'all people, baby. Not them, not them, not them, not them. Them ain't none of mine. President White Walker out here. White Walker. Carrying on. Oh, my God. Girl, I'm so sorry. Baby, we're Aura Stark. I'm from South Memphis. You know, we, we cut the vows out. We're Aura Stark. We're Aura. We're going to get in the Game of Thrones on the pod, too, because I see you've been watching. Ooh, I love but, Game of uh, Thrones. Oh, I do, too, girl. Um, but just talking about uh, mm-hmm. Trump, I just, I can't believe all these years it went by and all the stuff this food and did, and this man is still in office and impeachment hearings haven't started. It's like we had to tell in. But I still have people that are saying they're voting for this man in the next go round. I'm like, are you crazy? Like people I personally know. Mm-hmm. Like what is mm-hmm. going on? This is so disheartening. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. look at all the damage this man has caused. Mm-hmm. So when he got elected and, you know, after all of these fiascos we've been going through with Trump. I mean, mm-hmm. what is your outlook on 2020 as far as the presidential election? Because, you know, we got a lot of people yeah, sitting there partying for the Dems. I, um, I, I'll say this about, about, about your boy, uh, POTUS White Walker. <laughs> if he, uh, if he, uh, if he, I'll just say this. If people wanted to impeach him, he could have been impeached. Mm-hmm. He could have been impeached. The Mueller report that just came out basically highlights that, listen, there is enough evidence against there's not enough evidence against him to indict him. That's what the Mueller report, you know, stated was like, it, you know, Robert Mueller was like, here, here are the things I saw. Mm-hmm. Here are the things I know. Now, what you do with it is your Thomas, business. You go ahead and do, do what, what you got to do. do as far as because you got indictment and then you got impeachment. But there is no precedent on indicting a president. Send arresting a president and send him to jail, right? But there is enough evidence. What he did highlight was that there is enough evidence here to impeach him. If he wanted, if they wanted to impeach him, they could have been did it. And that's on both Republicans and Democrats. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at 2020, you say, you know, well, you know, what what 2020 looking like? I he could easily take 2020. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. And here's here's why because. Democrats' strategy has always been faulty. The Democrats, the Democrats lose where um, Trump gained, and that was he paid attention to the folks who were not being highlighted. He was he, he was paying attention to the to the rural poor whites, mm-hmm. um, who are also racist, who who are also homophobic, who are That's also his core group. yeah, Islam. That was his core group. White women. That was his core group. Mm-hmm. Even though he's sitting around here talking about grabbing, you know, yeah. X, Y, and Z. They were like, that but they didn't funny. like Hillary. Yeah, you know, it's just that, that it's just how petty, you know, folks. Do you was. think they didn't like Hillary because she was a woman? 
I think that's the main reason. Just I also think because, woman. you know, they were married. And, you know, these white women are married to white men who also do not support a woman being in politics. So that, you know, you're going to follow your husband. Right. So I think 2020, I really hope I see, you know, a couple of dams who are who, who aren't getting the media that they deserve, but their their strategy is hidden. And I, I would keep my eye on Warren. Um, just to hear what she's talking about. I'm not endorsing anybody, but mm-hmm. I would keep my eye on Warren. She came out hidden. She's talking about yeah, these student loans. Yeah, look, we I, all look, for that. <laughs> I was like, okay, you, I'm listening. You had me a hello, okay? Hey, how you yeah, doing? I you like know. Her too. And she's also talking about, you know, uh, black women uh, maternal mortality rate. You know, that's a big thing that people aren't paying attention to. Black women are dying, giving babies. You know, having babies. And so she's talking about attacking health uh, hospitals. She was like, if you don't fix it, you know, then I'm taking funding from you. And then people are like, wait, that's a bad idea. But guess what it's doing? It's starting a conversation. Mm-hmm. At least now somebody is like, OK, well, we need to make this big because we don't want to lose our funding. Mm-hmm. We need to at least start some studies. We need to at least put some stuff out. We we need to do something. We need to create some plan, some strategy. And that's really what it is. Whether a plan, that's why I tell people, if you want to run, your plan doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. You just have to start talking. Get people talking about the issues that you see. Listen, we we got somebody running for office. I ain't going to get too specific. I'm well educated. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, We got somebody running for office, man, who has a history of starting charter schools, who has held office before. Oh, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) And they have a history of starting charter schools, and every single last one of their schools fails. And now their schools are up for closure. And now they're up for mayor, right? I ain't say that. You said that. I ain't say. Yeah, I, I ain't saying that. that I ain't saying that. Girl. But I'm saying, like, why would you want someone to lead your city like that? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, why would you want somebody who has been holding a city council seat for 20, 30, 40 years mm-hmm. has not made significant change? But because now we added term limits to council seats, they're saying, OK, yeah, I'm going to give my seat up. I'm, I'm going to go on. But I'm now going to run for clerk, which if you pay attention um, old head council people, especially ineffective council folks who have held seats for a long time, run for clerk. That's a six figure job. Time. Look at the people who hold clerks' offices. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna get in. Oh, I might get in trouble for this, but, but ain't nobody right. paying me. I but pay you myself. Right. But you, but right. you got to pay attention. There's a pattern, just mm-hmm. like just and you know we can focus on 2020, and we have to focus on 2020. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, like. Just because politics, you're not thinking about politics doesn't mean politics are not thinking about you. That's true. That's true. You can go out here and you can stack your money however much you want. You can save however much you want. But if there's a state law, we got a Democrat uh, a Tennessee representative in law office right now who votes like a Republican. Mm. If he proposes a bill to tax podcasts. Oh. Whoop, right. Oh. What? Look, and that you know, bad boy, that. right? <laughs> we putting three percent tax on podcasts. I don't care how much you stack. I don't care how much you put out your advertising. You gotta pay. That messes up your money. Yeah, politics is always thinking about you. Yeah, I was. Pay, I paid taxes this go round. Um, this was my first time filing taxes as a freelancer. Mm-hmm. These Not little articles, baby. I said, this stuff is a scam. I want my money. I was about to burn down some buildings. I'm about to go protest, riot. What, what y'all happened? do with my refund? Baby, they took my whole refund. How they do that? 
because of ta- this new tax bill. Mm. So y'all, so we're taxing the hell out of small businesses right now, and that's a, that's a Trump policy. That's a Trump thing that just yeah. passed. So a lot of people who are used to receiving, you know, five hundred, six hundred dollars, a thousand dollars in uh, refunds because of EIC uh, tax or EITC uh, credits, which you can get a tax credit if you have, you know, children, if you're in school, if you um, make a certain, if you make certain amount of money below the the poverty line mm-hmm. then the government is like you know we know that this could possibly help you so we're gonna throw you a little something right, right. well now this new tax law is like shit, we we finna start auditing y'all po folk that's messed up meanwhile the rich the rich they don't pay taxes on anything do that come on we just saw amazon, amazon. at uh in, in new york yeah. is paying zero taxes zero. elon musk Elon Musk, he we perfect Memphis either. example. We got uh, these um, these pilots payment mm-hmm. in lieu of taxes. So you know we got a pilot here. Um, Electrolux just announced that they finna pack their bags and go. Mm-hmm. That's a breach of contract. Mm-hmm. They got tax cuts. Mm-hmm. Baby, they taking their jobs. They taking their 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 workforce development. Mm-hmm. They little benefits that they were offering, and they're leaving. That's a breach of contract. So why would you vote for anybody who believes in? giving chunks of money of tax breaks to people and they're not benefiting our city. That's crazy. Coca-Cola packing up too. They're going across the bridge. Baby, Memphis, everybody baby. finna go. They I'm about to go. They where their money is, <laughs> where they can get some of this good tax money. I mean, like you said, people have to pay attention, gotta pay attention. To, to the little things because that's where they get us when we're not paying attention. That's it. That's and it. And then I think like, you know, the media – um, the way we receive information now is so wide open. It's just, you know, when I say that, I want to know what type of news outlets or where do you get your information that you trust as far as good news as a journalist? Because uh, you know we get it all kind of ways. We get now. it all kind of ways. I, uh, I, I, I would go ahead and say this and, and put this on the record. I definitely don't listen to Fox News. And oh, I, I understand. I understand, you know, needing to get because journalism is supposed to be unbiased. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I read Washington Post, New York Times, respectively. I read um, anything um, mashable when I want to keep up with uh tech companies and tech industries and tech trends and social media trends and how to better my business, I read Mashable. Um, when I want to look at more local issues, I'm looking at, and, and I'm biased because I write for these people, MLK 50, High Ground News. Um, I, I like a, a couple of people over at the Commercial Appeal. Michaela Watts is doing a really good job right now. Um do you think the commercial appeal is going to keep thriving? Like, I where th- are we with? I think the commercial appeal has a has an amazing opportunity. But the problem with the commercial appeal is that they're beholden to Gannett. Mm-hmm. And so Gannett, which is, you know, this big media mm-hmm. company and has no idea what's going on in Memphis, is like, you know, we need you to push these type of stories, that type of stories. And these stories don't contribute to our greater community. They don't contribute to the Memphis community. And so... um, you know, it, it it goes back to the it goes back to the tax thing. It goes back to the privatization of media. It goes back. You know, when you uh, log on to a to a journalism site to a commercial appeal, there's a paywall. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be a paywall. Maybe it'll stop you right there. You think you about to read? Oh, you, know, you you get three free stories. Three. Who gonna pay? Who, Who gonna pay? pay? You know. <laughs> but I think the commercial appeal has a really great opportunity. When they hired Michaela, I was like, okay, I, I see them trying to do something. Um, if they bring in more women. Um, journalists 
mm-hmm. especially journalists of color, journalists who identify as LGBTQ, to bring in that different perspective because it was it was a white male dominated paper. Mm-hmm. There are other papers, you know, Memphis Flyer. I think is always going to try to be for the people, but it is smaller. So, mm-hmm. um, but I I don't know what's going to happen to Memphis media. Honestly, like I think it's in a def- it's it's in an interesting spot. You know, yeah. Wendy Thomas is doing the apps. She's she's killing the game right now. Yes. She's highlighting economic inequity. I have a, a photo project with her right now. Her and uh, Andrea Morales, where we're we're highlighting labor workers in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a photographer too, so I'm doing that, writing, doing your thing. Doing, I'm all over the place, and, <laughs> and that's and that's like my struggle. So you know, as a journalist, you have to be unbiased, but as a politician, you you got to stand on the side, yes. right? So I'm like, who? How do I? How do I merge? How do I marry this? And I think people like Wendy, people like Angela Rye, people like Van Turner on CNN. Um, uh, there's this lady at, at New York Times, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who I look mm-hmm. to. And recently, I mean, Ava DuVernay, mm-hmm. anybody who knows me knows that I stand for Ava mm-hmm. DuVernay. Um, so I'm like, you can you can do it all. So yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm figuring it out. But I think, you know, media in Memphis and as far as like where you want to get your news, I think you have to just be open. I think you have to really do that research. Um, nobody is 100 percent right. Mm-hmm. Um, but find like a couple of issues that matter to you if it's housing if it's uh business ownership if it's um you know lgbtq issues just start like googling those terms and see mm-hmm. what kind of pops up and that'll kind of lead you in the direction you want to go okay, yeah. okay okay now you know you've been published in like a lot of major publications as you mentioned the root um huffington post you do a lot of things with um, the local publications here. Mm-hmm. And I know recently, like you mentioned, you became a freelance writer. Yeah. What made you take that big step and said, okay, no more trusted, steady, consistent income. <laughs> I'm going to pursue my dream. Mm-hmm. What made you take that leap? Uh, uh, filing them taxes. <laughs> oh, it was all about the taxes. No, it, it was, you know, I've always had a knack for writing and for journalism. Um, but again, like, like I said earlier, it's free game. And I think if, if, if you're going to take a leap into anything that you love, whether it's, you know, producing videos, whether it's content creation, whether it's starting a business, now is the time. Mm-hmm. It's literally free game. There is no blueprint. There's no strategy. So for me, it was like, I was miserable at a nine to five at a desk mm-hmm. and I I battled with this and I prayed about it I prayed about it, and I just consistently saw signs of me not being there mm-hmm. and it just wasn't a good fit you know we tell people you know stick with it work it out stay work hard stay disciplined x y and z but sometimes if a thing is just not meant to be it's mm-hmm. just not meant to be it don't matter how hard you work yeah. and so I was like okay I can I can be miserable writing than being miserable being somewhere I, I don't I don't want to be and I don't have the autonomy and I'm a creative and I had to be okay with with um, labeling myself that that I'm a creative and I need autonomy and I need to write and I need to read so I can perfect my writing and I need to read so I can have things to write about and uh, need to get out need to network and those are the things that fuel me so I also I'm very privileged uh, and I acknowledge my privilege. I have a mom who supports me, um, even though my aunt has passed away. I had an aunt who supports. So I have family who just is like, we got you. I got a sister that lives in Baltimore and she's like, whatever you need. I got to create content for her and her business. So I didn't know you uh, had a sister. I have two sisters. OK. Yeah. I have a sister that lives in Baltimore and I have a sister who lives here. Um, 
but my sister in Baltimore is a real estate investor. So mm. she she was really I talked about earlier, um, just like she really helped me have other be exposed to other avenues of of, of living. So she was the first entrepreneur that I knew in my family. Mm-hmm. We don't really have entrepreneurs, you know. We got some carpenters, we got some hub workers, you know. We got you know people who 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 work in labor, but. Mm-hmm. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, I don't really have that in my family. So she she's not she went to school, she went to University of Pennsylvania. She graduated with her degree in engineering. She's lived in New York. She's lived in Philadelphia. She settled in Baltimore. Um she left her engineering job because she wanted to start uh investing in low income housing. Um, so that people, you know, who live in poverty can have somewhere to live. And so now she's like a landlord. But now she she also classifies herself as a social entrepreneur. So when she stepped out on that, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'll see if I can do this too. That, that's so. a good industry to be in. Yeah, really, man, it's real estate, too. man. Boom, baby, that's where it's at. If I was good in math, boy, I baby, shoot. That's where it's at. But you know what, Kirsten, I, I really applaud you and admire you for taking that step. Thank you. Um, Cause I mean, although like I've taken a step, it's like I honestly I can't commit to it full time. It's mm-hmm, a lot of things mm-hmm, in play mm-hmm. where I still got to keep that corporate job. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but like as you mentioned, you could just imagine yourself breaking free from just sitting yeah. up in there. Like, ooh, I could be selling Ivy Multimedia full time. Like, I wish I had, you know the time to do that yeah. on a full-time basis. Yeah. I sell the shit out of it. But <laughs> I got some other things in play yeah. that I got to take care of. So I am I have a plan, though. I'm slowly moving towards And, and you that. know, that's what, you know, the Bible talks about. Man makes his plans, but the Lord orders his steps. Because God been surprising me left and right. All you got to do is present God with, I wrote down, yeah. I wrote down on my, on my desk. I was like, Lord, I'm leaving this date. Mm-hmm. This is the date that I'm leaving. And I, I talked, I talked about this on Instagram. And it was like the Lord was like, whew, I just needed you to give me something to work with. And stuff just started happening. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. So made that big old leap, you know, like 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 your girl Meg say, made that big old leap. Mm-hmm. And I um, I was like, Lord, I have no idea what's happening. And honestly, just full disclosure, I received my first, uh, you know, gig and it's nice you so i was like, like okay yeah, i was like, really happy this is this, hey i'm relaxed you know it feels good to wake up and be like yes i get to do this so doing what you love yep on a daily daily yep yep wow i'm so happy for you lady thank you thank you now you know you get it lit on twitter oh my like, god <laughs> I've been following you for a long time. Oh, Lord. The way you structure a tweet, it seems like, you know, it's pretty much, you know, nothing hard for you to do. But it's like so compelling. All of your tweets are very compelling. You know how we we be on Twitter, something going on. We like everybody's engaged. Yeah. And I know you was tweeting away on that Game of Thrones, baby. On episode three, season eight. Listen, I'm about to start the first Baptist AME Episcopal Church of Winterfell. Of Winterfell! On on Macklemo. We about to start having services on Sunday night. We should. Okay, listen. We should. What do you think about the episode? Baby, I was prostrate on my couch after like the first... When them folks laid on that fire, yes, I said, "Oh, they about to die." I said, "Oh, I said, them dumb and smart." We finna die. Everybody <laughs> finna die. 
I was like, I, it couldn't be me. You know, it, 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 I love TV. I love TV. And that's n- another good thing of stepping out is like it's opened up the possibilities of things that I can do. I love TV. Mm-hmm. Like I love I love good TV. I love smart TV. When them folks laid on that fire, if I, I had been there, I would have been like, it's, it's, oh, I've been like, y'all, we might as it's well just, you know, I'm going to lay right here. <laughs> I'm a, what the people say, I'm going lay, I'm a lay my burdens down right here. They can come chop my head off, call my mama, tell her I'm sorry. Like I, woo, girl. When that, when the uh, dragon uh blew all that fire on uh the night walk, the the night king, and that bad boy stood up. Look, girl, my son was like, <laughs> oh, he dead, he dead. I said, shit, keep watching. Ah! I said, I know he he that didn't do nothing to the night king. It did it that the Joker started walking out. I said, oh lord. And then somebody oh, tweeted lord. the the Tisha Campbell uh videos like I'm still yeah. here. Oh lord, <laughs> so crazy. Girl, everybody was on the edge of their seats, and and I know you do um videography what did you think about like the cinematography Girl. of the show how dark it was first of all i was like is this something wrong with my tv everybody was like that i was like they maybe not need to turn it off and turn it back on and <laughs> i turned the brightness all the way up no lie i turned that brightness Girl. all the way up, and i said oh this how they did it so i had to put my glasses on they set the tone but i was like deal. that is so and i think i saw somewhere where it took them 55 days to film mm-hmm. that that was so brilliant. Because the was. thing is also like being a videographer, being a photographer, you know, you're always encouraged when you're starting off to not to shoot in, in, in bad light. Mm. You know, that light is your benefit. If you have nothing else, if you don't know how to do nothing else, you need to know light. Light is the key. Light is the key. So I'm wow. sitting there and I'm watching. I'm like, wow. And you don't you don't know what's going on. But, man, I, I was on that couch spread out. And after the first like 30 minutes, I was like, oh, my God. Girl, it's like the anticipation, how yeah. they had you waiting yeah. on every move. It was just like, and then the person who killed the Night King, you would have never thought. I hope Even whoever you, listening to this podcast, you just, if if you ain't listening to the podcast oh, by now, Aura killed the Oh, you killed the <laughs> Y'all late as hell uh, if y'all don't know who Aura killed the Night King. King. Listen. Aria, but wait a minute. When Aria got her some, 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 Aria. some thing. Aria. Before shit, before the last, I was like, "Wait a oh, minute!" You talking about supposed- the uh, last episode? Yes, when Aya got her something from Gentry, I was like, "Look at Aya!" Listen, baby, I said, "I ain't mad. Ain't nobody mad that the she but had the to devil." She folks. knew she was like, "Baby, this may be my last yes. time." This was like, <laughs> how many women were there? How many women were there, baby? But look, what, what tripped me out? Um, did you see the Billboard Awards last night? No, but I saw that. You saw that? Yes, yes. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get into I know exactly what you're talking about. But Drake, he actually picked up an award for um, top artist, uh, top male artist. Mm-hmm. But when he got up there and accepted his award, mm-hmm. he shouted out Arya, talking about, <laughs> you know, team yeah, Game of Thrones. Arya did her thing. But I know exactly what you're talking about Listen. because... You know, they trying to take all Beyonce moves, her scenes. What you think about Taylor Swift performance, baby, with the band? Did she try to mimic Beyonce's outfit, too? What is going let me, on? Let me tell you how this woman gentrified Beyonce's she whole gentrified Beyonce. performance. This not the first time, either. This ain't the first time the people done stole from B, though. No, and, you know, the crazy thing is, like, B sets the bar so high that when even when you try to steal it, you, you look, look crazy. Mess. Like, you come on, you might as well do she, your own thing. You could have sat on the stool and did all that. Yes. Baby, I so said, that no. was a pink mess. I oh. was like, oh, Taylor, what you doing? Baby, all that bland. Ain't no salt and pepper on that. Mm-mm. Ain't no paprika on that. Mm-mm. I said, this is a mess. I, I said, advising her. Th- I 
would have fired my whole team. Then I would have fired myself. Listen, Taylor, if you're listening, you need to fire your team, and then you need to fire yourself, sweetie. You you can't do that no more. Yes. My God. Did you see uh, Beyonce's uh, Homecoming? Girl, you know I saw that. So how did you enjoy that? Can I tell you, I cried. Yeah, I am. I'm not an emotional person. I'm a Capricorn, so you know people say we don't care about nothing because we in our we in our own little world. I don't know if that's true, but I don't get emotional about a lot. But I sat there and I was like, when she said, "If my country ass can do it, they can do it. Everybody can do it." I mm. was like, and just I think this this had to be the most real and human that we've seen Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we we saw her in the HBO doc um, where she talked about losing the baby and. And getting pregnant with Blue. But I mean, this was like. This was different. This was like hard working Beyonce. Like we we saw Beyonce work and we saw Beyonce talk. Like when I heard her say, I can't do this. Like, I don't think I'll be able to get back to where I used to be. And then say, I pushed myself too hard. I'm never pushing myself again. It was like. I, I don't know why I needed to hear that, you know, shit get hard for Beyonce. Hell yeah. But I needed to hear that, yeah. you know. Man, and it He's was human. Whew, it, it it was beautiful. And to see Blue, baby, I'm convinced Blue was like, all right. <laughs> Blue I'm was com- working that nigga. Blue be out there choreographing mm-hmm. them girls, okay? She be mm-hmm. fine. She be like uh, Lorianne Gibson on Making the Band. Yes, Listen, do. honey, bunches of oats. <laughs> it was so good, <laughs> it was good. and inspiring. Firing. Mm-hmm. Just her work ethic. Like, B, I mean, I, she's the best entertainer. Like, I, I can't think of nobody out here. And people who hate on her, it's just like, how bitter can you be? They just petty, girl. I they mean, just... she's literally inspiring. Well, anytime you got the First Lady of the United States giving you a shout out, like, hey, girl, yes. I ain't surprised. Yeah. You did your thing. Yes. Come on. You yes. stop everything you doing, First Lady Shell. And give a shout out to 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 First Lady B. Like, come on, you you a bad you a bad woman. I wonder what's next for Beyonce. What you think? I you know I think I know I think she's gonna keep tapping into uh, Netflix because I think she has a few more gotta movies and stuff that she got to do. You think it's gonna be more documentary type related? I kind of hope so. I know she you know she got that line thing, and I'm I, I, I don't want to say what I really want to say, but you know I, don't, I hope I don't see Beyonce act. I, I'm not. I'm not. You don't want to see her act. I'm not a Look, fan just of give Beyonce actors. <laughs> I just just go ahead and give me the real. I, I, you know, come on, y'all got to know. Like Fighting Temptation was good, and she then have gotten better. Hip hop Carmen them. You mm-hmm. know, she, you know, I've we got to be honest now. She lately. a triple threat though. She could do a little thing. She can. Yeah. She could do the little. She's still a triple threat. She still is. And then what was that other movie? Obsessed. Mm-hmm. I think that may have been her best role. But I was just like, Nah, B, you can't. Yeah. We want to see the real Beyonce. Come on, you can do some documentaries. Look, let me see something with you and Jay-Z having a conversation. Right. Like, at the dinner table. Right. Like, some love and hip-hop shit. I'll take some that. Right. She can do us a little reality (laughs) thing, a little 12-part series. Yes, something like that. And I want to hear some new music, though. I definitely definitely want to hear some new music. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what, Kirsten? um, Back to your tweets, dear. Um, (laughs) I saw today you were going to bring my tweets on the docket. Oh, next on the docket. (laughs) Next tweet up. Next (laughs) tweet number five million and two. 
you stated that you were a tad bit upset because your therapist have some plans oh. uh, going on right now. And you know, it is May. It is Mental Health Awareness mm-hmm. Month. Mm-hmm. And you often speak about your therapist. Mm-hmm. So um, tell us about the news she gave you and how you even started to see your therapist. Yeah, so my therapist is pursuing another PhD. Um, she... Uh, She's licensed in trauma therapy. So um, any trauma ranging from loss of a parent to sexual abuse, domestic violence, you know. She sees a lot of patients who have been diagnosed with uh, HIV and who live um, in poverty. So um, a lot of those patients are referred to her from outside organizations and outside services like Regional One, the Med, Friends for Life. Um, But I found my therapist the year before I needed her. Um, So I used to work for an organization called Friends for Life as the Advocacy Academy Coordinator, where I trained the patient, patients who were diagnosed with with HIV and also living in poverty, basically introduced them to how to advocate for themselves, how to, you know, go to city council meetings, how to use social media to promote themselves, how to brand themselves, how to write letters to their senator, things like that. Um, And so we, the organization had its annual conference, HIV AIDS Awareness Conference or something like that. And this was after I ran for office. So I ran for office in 2015. So after election leading up to 2016, mid 2016, um, I was only at the organization for about six to seven months, um, laid off, loss of funding, nonprofit life. And so during that conference, I... I was like floating around because, of course, I'm staff or whatever. So I'm floating around and we have different workshops going on. And I go into this one workshop and the workshop was on like trauma and how to how to confront trauma or something like that. And I see this black woman with dreads and she's speaking so eloquently and she's articulating um just mental health in a way that I hadn't heard before. You know, I've heard, you know, you know, there, there's no reason for you to be depressed. I've heard, you know, there is a, you know, God will, will pull you out of that. You know, don't worry, don't be afraid. You know, I've heard that growing up in church and, and, um, and, and just in life, you know, I mean, growing up in a house of, of two strong black women, um, even to my aunt's to the day she died, she she was clearly hurting and she was like, I'll be OK. You're clearly not OK, you know. But so I'm I'm here and I'm listening to this woman articulate confronting your trauma and confronting your um, your hurt and your pain in order to address it. And I, I just became really attracted to the language. Right. And so after the the conference or after the workshop, I went to her and I and I was like, are you accepting new clients? Because I had been thinking about therapy because I've always wanted to talk somebody, talk to someone who didn't know me mm-hmm. um, and just kind of listen to me talk and see if they heard some, they heard something or they picked up on something. So she said she wasn't accepting clients and that she would send, you know, she would refer me. So I was like, oh, you know, it's OK, but thank you. So I kind of kept her name close, you know, close to me, close to my heart in my head. And uh, a year later, December 7, 2016, my aunt um, died, AJ died. And uh, it hit me. I, I had never really battled with grief on that level because it was like my mom died. Mm-hmm. She raised me. And having to continue to explain to me, and I don't know, I felt like I had to continue to, to explain to people, like, her significance in my life. Like, this wasn't just some aunt who lived down the way. Mm-hmm. Like, she's been in my life forever. You know, when my mom had to work late she was there she picked me up from school she cooked clean you know I 
she bought me gifts. Like we mom. were there. That I had two moms, yeah. you know. So um, that hit me. I, I was so she died December seventh. My birthday was December thirtieth, mm. and uh, I was turning twenty six. I had to deliver her eulogy, mm. and I had a whole bunch of family members coming to me and being like, you got to be the strong one. You got to be the strong one. Because I saw my mom, I saw my sister, I saw my aunt's kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, uncles, aunts, people, because her death was so unexpected. Um, every Nobody was taking it well. And so I was like, so when the issue came up of her funeral, her eulogy, I'm, or, I'm an ordained preacher, so I had to be like, I'm gonna do it. I'm, I ain't nobody gonna eulogize my mama but me, right? When I'm, that's just no way. So I, I eulogized her back at my home church in South Memphis. Hardest thing I ever had to do. Oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, and so um, after that, you know, we go through. You go through the seasons. You go through. Um, you know, people coming in and out the house, and you know. Um, but then there there comes a time where the house gets really quiet, and ain't nobody calling, and it's just you and your mom. And my plans kind of got thwarted. And so I had to kind of make some decisions to stay with my mom and make sure that she was okay. Because her and my aunt did life together. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, I got to make decisions to just be here. And so I finally was like, if I'm going to do this, I got to go to therapy. I I don't know anything else to do. I can't keep, I can't call my pastor. I can, but I can't call my pastor on the phone all the time. Like I'm going through, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a prideful person too. Right. And if there is a licensed professional who is geared towards helping me emotionally and mentally, I'm going to take that route. So I, her name came back in my, came, came back to my mind. And I just so happened to call the office one day and I was like, is Kelly taking new, new clients? Her name is Kelly Davis. And, uh, her assistant said, yeah, actually she is. Mm. So I was like, okay. So when I say I, I, I met my therapist before I needed her, it was all God. You know, I tell people all the time, especially Christians, I'm like, God will lead you to the right therapist. You don't have to be afraid of therapy. God is not intimidated by therapy. We talk about therapy and mental health in a way that people are like, you know, God doesn't, you know, as if it, as, as if mental health and therapy is offensive to God. But there are many wow. examples in, in scripture, especially with Jesus, where Jesus is is about to go to the cross where it says that he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was grieving so bad that he bled that he was he was bleeding and grieving and crying and he asked God I don't want to do this like please take this away from me I don't please take this cup away from me mm-hmm. and then he did that three times next thing you know boom that the you, you, you're betrayed by Judas and then you hanging on the cross he's mm-hmm. he's on the cross he's you know nails all over him and all this stuff and he looks up to God and he says why have you forsaken me that's grief that's emotional trauma mm-hmm. and so like but the thing is, God is just so big that he's not intimidated by your depression. He's not intimidated by your anxiety. He's not intimidated by your PTSD or whatever it is. Um, God allowed uh, education to exist and science and all this stuff to exist and psychology to exist so that uh, you can get help. Mm-hmm. So, you know. So when you started to visit with Kelly, your therapist, how did that go? Like, that first session, how was that? I, Did she open you up? Yeah, girl, like like a like an envelope. Um, mm. she, I, you know, I'm, again, I'm a prideful person, so I'm like, I'm pretty smart, and sometimes I can be a little arrogant, and so I'm like, okay, I'm going to therapy. I know I need to go to therapy. I'm going on my own, but I'm not gonna reveal anything too early, cause you know, I'm still trying to test her out. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I get there and she closes the door and she she's like, how are you? How do you pronounce your name? I'm like Kirsten, because everybody pronounced my name wrong. She's like, I was like, Kirsten, you know. And she said, okay, so how how are you? And I was like, I'm, I'm doing well. She was like, what does well mean to you? Mm. Hmm, hmm. Um, I don't know, I ain't never thought about that. What's your definition of well, doctor, <laughs> you know? And so she just kept asking probing questions um you know she would ask you know um after I had seen her for a couple of months how was your because I would see her once a month you know how was your month like oh it was it was okay you know okay well what, what about it was okay what was something that stood out to you the most oh you know you know me and my mom got into it okay what sparked that uh da, 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 da. What, what sparked that emotion where did that emotion come from and just kept digging and digging to the point every session I had with her I was in tears and it's not the crying it's not the because crying is important um you, ha- you got to get it out but it's the the opportunity to process and say why why did I react this way and to have someone else lead you through that process because sometimes we think we have to do life alone. And I get what people say like, oh, well, you know, a therapist, you got to pay for them. You know, they, they're paid to, to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, but they're, they're licensed strategists, right? Like I'm a social media strategist, so I know what I'm doing. A, a therapist knows what they're doing to get you to where you need to go. So you can start walking yourself through healing. And I, the one thing that I love about her is that she's never told me what to do. She's always allowed me to come to that decision. And we would leave each session with, you know, an action plan. You know, how you going to take care of yourself this month? What you going to do for yourself this month? How you going to handle this situation with this person? How you going to combat this issue? Because you know it's going to come back around again. She would t- say things, and when they would happen, it was almost prophetic. You know, she would say that this is going to happen because X, Y, and Z expect this to happen. And so when they would happen, I'd be like, damn it, Kelly told me. <laughs> Kelly told me this stuff. was going to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, to see her, I'm, I'm so happy that she's pursuing her dream because, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't neglect yourself for the sake of other people. So it would be selfish of me to be like, oh, you know, you got to take care of me. You my therapist. No, she's a whole person. She got dreams that she wants to pursue. So I'm so happy for her. Shout out to Kelly Davis. Yeah, you got to find so. another one. She gonna refer you to the right one. She Ooh, knows you see, though. She knows see. you. So Ooh. you know. But I'm so glad. Like the stigma behind um, going to therapy is lifting yeah. now. Because for so long, you know, people call you crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it was all of these things attached mm-hmm. to the word therapy, and it seems like that is changing right now. Mm-hmm. So. Within this Mental Health Awareness Month, I hope people, you know, really take this step and find the help that they need. I hope so, too, man. Like, I, And especially, like, older people, mm-hmm. you know, just watching my mom go through grief. I'm like. Think of all the stuff they got bottled up for all them years. Yes. And so, yes. you know, um, I, I saw a quote. It's actually It actually hangs in Kelly's office that says, I go to therapy to learn how to deal with the people in my life who won't go to therapy. Mm. And so I was like, yeah, all these niggas won't go to therapy, yeah. but I'm going to sit here and try to better myself to learn how to. And, and you know, I, I'm so grateful. I'm, I'm grateful to God for therapy. I'm grateful for Kelly. I uh, I hope people are OK. I hope, you know, what they get out of this, if anything, they get out of this long, my long windedness is that they take the time to take care of themselves and seek the help that they need. You know, if you got an ache yeah. in your arm, you're going to go to the doctor. Your, your head hurt, you're going to take a BC. Well, what you going to do about your heart? Mm. You know? Mm. What you going to do about your soul? What you going to do about your mental and your emotions? Oh, hello, hello. Do y'all oh. hear Miss Chips? <laughs> so crazy. Now, um, 
Like before we close out the pod, uh, what's going on with your uh, political uh, ah! endeavors? Are we running for office again? Oh, what are we doing with that? Uh, <laughs> how are you, you know, consulting now? Like, you know, what is going on with that? I'm doing. Can I get the exclusive? Yeah. <laughs> I'm say it. If I decide to run for office again, I'm coming to you first. Okay, so. Yeah, so and uh, so I'm doing some strategy, doing some consulting for some folks. I'll reveal mm-hmm. when all that is settled and it's closer to election time. Uh, who I'm working for and who I'm pushing. Y'all can tune in to my social. I'm yeah. you probably already know, yeah. but for the sake of <laughs> for the sake of integrity, um, y'all, you know, I'm about to I'm gonna start pushing pushing out a lot of more stuff uh, on my own personal social about you know. political education um you know we're in a big i think especially for black folks and black millennials you know everyone is focusing on how to gain more dollars and how to make more money and economic empowerment and and, you know what do we do and you know nipsey's death affected everybody Mm -hmm. so everybody Mm -hmm. wants to like how can i how can i build up my community and that's great and we need to do that and on, on the other hand at the same time we need to become politically acclimated so you know, again, just because you're not thinking about politics doesn't mean politics ain't thinking about you. So mm-hmm. I'm about to start pushing some more stuff out. Um, got some other things in the works. Uh, I'll give you the exclusive when that is solidified. See, see, I'm, I'm going to hit Ina up with the, okay? with the exclusive. I ain't come with no part two. I'm just saying. You I'm going to come with the part two. I'm going to send you the press release. Send me the press release. I'm going to send you the press release. Well, no, so, I, you know, God is good. He, he's keeping me working. He's keeping me busy. Yes. Um, but, yeah, if I decide to run again, because one thing about the about the, the campaign bug is, like, it stays with you. Even if you sit down for a little while, it that 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 uh that bug stays with you I for a while. That, cause I noticed that because I know quite a few people that have been running some millennials. It's mm-hmm. like they still involved. You can't, like yeah. it ain't going nowhere. It ain't going. It's a competition. You wow. know? So we all competitive. So we going. We going for well, the gold. I'm gonna, be, well, I'm gonna be watching and and, and <laughs> waiting to see and I'm gonna be supporting and all of those lovely things. Yeah. Now, Kirsten, how can everybody get in touch with you? Find me on social. My social is the same everywhere. It is my name. K I R S. T I N L C H E E R S. Cheers. On so, all platforms. All platforms. Yes. Check out my girl Kirsten Cheers, social media strategist, local political strategy going <laughs> on. Check all of her writings out yeah. on all of these publications. Like, ain't no telling where you're going to come next. Ain't no telling where I think you're going to come up next? with your own publication. And I'm, I'm pitching some stuff, man. Yes. So, I can see it, Kirsten. See. It's the year. That, it's free game. Free here. game. Look, that's going to so, be the name of this podcast. Come on. Free game. I wrote that down early. Free game. Free game. We're going to make up a song. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> Thank you so much, Thank Kirsten, you. for coming by the Verbally Effective Podcast, episode 67 yes. in the book.